You're listening to The Nature of Things. In this episode from April 3rd, 1987, John Weeks welcomes the changeableness of spring as longer days, new growth, and fragrant air approach. Last week gave us a real taste of spring, didn't it? But I think all of us know that early April hereabouts is fraught with changeableness. Rather like what Edwin Way Teal described in North with the Spring. For hours that April Friday we went in and out of spring. Our road led through mountain country over a long series of ridges. It rose and fell, climbed and toboggan down again, like a roller coaster a hundred miles in length. Each time the road lifted us to a new summit, we found ourselves amid trees with buds hardly open. Then, like a swimmer diving downward into foaming surf, we would swoop into the, a world of white dogwood, of fruit trees clouded with blooms, of freshly, uh, grass freshly green. Spring would be all around us, in some valley fragrant with flowers. Uh, Teal, of course, was moving, following the spring northward, while we were stationary as the weather moves past us. In a Sand County almanac, Aldo Leopold follows the course of the migrating goose. One swallow does not make a summer, but one skein of geese cleaving the murk of a March thaw is the spring. A cardinal whistling spring to a thaw, but later finding himself mistaken, can retrieve his error by resuming his winter silence. A chipmunk emerging for a sun bath, but finding a blizzard, has only to go back to bed. But a migrating goose, staking 200 miles of black night on the chance of finding a hole in the lake, has no easy chance for retreat. His arrival carries the conviction of a prophet who has burned his bridges. Henry David Thoreau in Walden points out that, that such vicissitudes are also typical of his pond in spring. I quote, The phenomena of the year take place every day in a small pond on a small scale. Every morning, generally speaking, the shallow water is being warmed more rapidly than the deep, though it may not be made so warm after all. And every evening it is being cooled more rapidly until the morning. The day is an epitome of the year. The night is the winter. The morning and evening are spring and fall, and noon is summer. Unquote. Still, the rites of spring are often less affected by the weather than by such things as day length or foot candles. Here we listen to Leopold's description of the sky dance of the woodcock. I owned my farm for two years before learning that the sky dance is to be seen over my woods every evening in April and May. Since we discovered it, my family and I have been reluctant to miss even a single performance. The show begins in the first warm evening in April, at exactly 6.50 p.m. The curtain goes up one minute later each day until the 1st of June. Then the time is 7.50. This sliding scale is dictated by vanity, the dancer demanding a romantic light intensity of exactly .05 foot candles. Knowing the place and the hour, you seat yourself under a bush to the east of the dance floor and wait, watching against the sunset for the woodcock's arrival. He flies in low from a, some neighboring thicket, alights on the bare moss, and at once begins the overture, a series of queer throaty 
spaced out two seconds apart. Suddenly the painting ceases and the bird flutters skyward in a series of wide spirals, emitting a musical twitter. Up and up he goes, the spirals steeper and smaller, the twittering louder and louder, until the performer is only a speck in the sky. Then without warning he tumbles like a crippled plane, giving voice in a soft liquid warble that a March bluebird might envy. At a few feet from the ground he levels off and returns to his painting ground, usually to the exact spot where the performance began, and there resumes his painting." Unquote. I've watched the woodcock on misty nights, too cold for the spring peepers, and on warm fragrant nights when their tinkling chorus threatened to drown out the whistling winds, wings and chippering warble of the woodcock. It's not just the weather, it's really day length and foot candles. As you hear this, I'll be someplace south of Washington, Z.C., previewing spring and searching for that place near Asheville, North Carolina, where Edwin Way Teal first encountered his famous hundred miles of warblers. Because I have his account of it, it'll produce new meaning to me, I'm sure. When we view spring through the educated eyes and uh, able pens of Leopold, Teal, and Thoreau, it assumes new depth and dimension. That's all I have for this week. This is John Week saying thanks for listening. Tune in next week and keep it natural.